to stay innovative and, and to be collaborative, you do, we keep coming back to this idea of learning and, and ideas, but that is a, a big part of exposing people to things that are might, might be different than what they've seen before. To us, that's diversity, you know, eclectic viewpoints, all sorts of backgrounds and experiences. If we share that in a comfortable way, we're all learning something and we're producing better work and we're happier, more engaged employees. That, to me, is the cornerstone of the culture and what we continue to, to reinforce and promote and to invest in. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Talent Playbook Podcast. My name is Jason Ferrara. I'm the Chief Marketing and Strategy Officer at Outmatch and your host for the podcast. Our podcast focuses on strategies for transforming your world of work. So during each podcast, we highlight someone who's transformed their organization or industry in a significant way. Today's guest is Rosemary Hefner. Rosemary is the Chief People Officer of SPINS, a data and insights company focused on the healthy food and consumer products market. SPINS fosters healthier, more vibrant living with good nutrition. While we do talk a bit about SPINS during the podcast, we spend much more time talking about Rosemary's role and how she's helping to build SPINS. Listen for a few specifics on building a company in a high-growth environment, including building a department roadmap. So taking a page from the Agile Software Development Playbook, you'll hear how Rosemary applies these theories to her team and their work. Second, listen for how learning the business is a major key to success for a human capital executive, and frankly, any executive. And third, how culture, brand, and talent selection are intimately connected. I'm sure you'll enjoy Rosemary's insight. There are lots of great specific examples and takeaways that happen during our conversation. So without further delay, here's the Talent Playbook Podcast with Rosemary Hefner. Hey, Rosemary, thanks for joining the podcast today. We're excited to have you on, and uh, I'm really looking forward to the conversation. Very happy to be here. So uh, what I thought we'd do first is to, I mean, I know you, but I don't think most of our listeners know you. So I thought maybe just describe, you know, your job and your company briefly for everybody. We can kind of set the stage, put some context out there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I am currently with an organization called SPINS, and our business is, if I were to sum it up, we provide data and insights um, on consumer behaviors at point of purchase in the health and specialty product space. So mission-wise, we have the information that helps brands and retailers and small to big CBG firms ensure that they have the products that are healthy and that people want, and it is a really growing market, so it's a fun organization to be in. My role is to lead the people operations team, Um, and, you know, there's a lot of building and a lot of growth, so for me, that means a lot of things I can tinkle with and uh, champion and challenge, so every day is a fun day. Great. So, uh, thanks for that. uh, Just set the stage a little bit more. What What is a healthy product? So that can range, you know, I think the starting point of the company was more around what you would think of as sort of natural, organic, specialty foods. As we've grown, it's gotten into other other verticals, other sectors like health and beauty, even uh, pet-specific products. You may start to see things like it's not just your 
your old school dog food. It's mm-hmm. healthier, um, natural, specialty, organic dog food. So there's a lot of different growth from where we first started off, where it was more around um, certainly a commitment. So let's improve the food supply in America and make sure that access to healthier ingredients um, it's easier for consumers to get to those, but it's interesting as you just probably search online or hear in the news or read in the paper. If you're still reading the, the hard copy paper, you see a lot more in other verticals around this idea of a healthier offering. So it's something we've been able to expand the data and the intelligence we have um, as as really the entire broader market is is going in that direction. Great. Thanks, Anne. That, that, that helps. And um Obviously, that that data is incredibly important. I mean, every every scan at every register, right, is a piece of data that you use then to to feedback to the manufacturer or the distribution company, right? Yeah, exactly. It's, it is literally that every sort of UPC, every scan, and then breaking that down. There's so many levels to that data of different nutrients, but different ingredients, different attributes to the product. Um, you know, is coconut oil really that popular? Why, where, how? Um, should we create more products for that? Do we sell more of that in Kansas City versus LA? Like the, the uses for the, the data are, are uh, pretty incredible, but the market is also evolving so much. And you hear about new trends, uh, new health research, again, new ingredients. And so those scans, um, it's sort of a never-ending growth in terms of what we have to stay up to date on. So a lot of our key roles here are as you would expect around data scientists and engineers and even nutritionists, how can we onboard that data, scrub it and share it back as quickly as possible and as accurately as possible because big decisions and investments are being made on that. Yeah. So, yeah, let's talk a little bit more about, about your role. So you said people operations team. So what, what falls under the umbrella of people operations? Yeah. You know, it's funny. I've seen in my, my career, I did start, it was personnel, then it's HR. Now you see sort of people and people operations, and um, that's that's where the role is expanded. And I think what is the difference? It's the holy grail of we're moving from just uh, defining policies and guidelines. We're moving more towards being technology based. We're moving towards being business people who have happen to specialize in HR. And so it is around the people. That's the core mm-hmm. of what people ops or HR teams do, but I think the way that we work um, here, uh, my team and within SPINS as an organization is a little bit different than what you might see in some other organizations that are still using the terminology of, of HR. Yeah. Okay. So I want to definitely get back to that, but first I'd like to just talk a little bit about your your history. You know, How did you get started in in human capital, people operations, you know, whatever, whatever label you want to put on it. How did, how did you get your start? How did you, how'd that get yeah. all started with you? I'm, I'm not shy to admit I totally stumbled upon it. I totally <laughs> fell into it. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, there was not some calculated plan. When I went to, to school and I went to undergrad, you could not get a degree in HR. Now you can right. do that. Right. And um, I I was kind of moments away from entering into a two-year program that a uh, nonprofit still exists called Teach for America. I was going to move yeah. from Chicago across the country to L.A. and become a, a teacher for a couple of years. Um, and then they decided in the school district in L.A. to go on strike, so there was no role. So I you know, needed to scramble, and I'm a scrappy person, and oh, there was a role that was open with an HR 
uh, an HR team. And so I, I jumped on that. And one weekend, the individual that my manager at that time was let go. And suddenly I was a one person show. <laughs> As I look back at it, I was like, were they insane? But I'm a fast learner and I will ask questions. And uh, it's probably one of the best things that happened to me. I, I, um, you know, I've, I've stayed with it ever since. It, it gives a lot of variety. You can impact a lot of lives. And if you can think from sort of a, a build your business acumen perspective, you can have a lot of broad-based impact, especially in organizations changing and, and growing. And so I've stayed with it, but totally by accident. And I, I'm the first to admit it was not my life plan at the time, but now it has, has I've settled on it and it's working. Yeah. So a couple times you've mentioned uh, building and growth and uh, it's sort of in the context of the jobs that you've had, but also in the context of the company you're with, right? The, 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 the healthy food market is, is growing like crazy. So what's, what is your role in terms of a growing market and growing a company? That's a great question. I mean, I think the roles that I've always had, it's, it's, you know, I'm ticking both those boxes, right? It affords that opportunity. I think that um, for sure, I'm a strong believer after decades in the HR space. You know, I do think that being mindful about the framework of your organization, the culture, um, your values, how people feel they're being recognized and developed and growing is absolutely critical for the overall success of an organization. And I think you, you get this nice intersection when it's an organization like spins where the market itself is growing and forming as a, a leader within the people operations team. And it affords me to be a leader within the organization as a whole. Mm-hmm. I can help um, really help articulate for the organization. What, uh, where are we going? You know, being able to impact strategy to solve business problems and the way I'm helping us do that in a collaborative way is I may have a leaning or sort of a filter from a, a human capital standpoint. But when you're in organizations that are trying to take multiple perspectives and together you get the best solution, yeah, that, that's part of my role as well. Um, how can we best um, monetize different products? How do we decide you know, what is the methodology of our product development queue? People may say, you're an HR person. Why are you in those discussions? Well, I, I bring a different perspective than what you might find, find from our CTO or a CFO. But there are a lot of organizations increasingly, I'm happy to say, that understand having, you know, coming with the best solution means you've vetted it from a, multiple angles. Right. And from an HR perspective, you're a key, a key angle that has to be taken into consideration. So that's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad you're going into that. And we're talking about this. It's one of the things I've you know, you and I have worked together in the past. It's one of the things that I've liked about you and working with you so much is that it's, it's, you're, you think about the business strategy and how what you need to do fits the business strategy. So wh- where did you learn that? How did you learn that? Oh my gosh, that's my secret sauce. I, <laughs> that just means I'm not really sure. You know, I, I think by, by nature, um, I like to tinker with things. I think uh, the one side may be my brain doesn't always turn off. Right. But like, I I feel like I have ideas, I have opinions. It doesn't mean I'm always right. I get the best ideas from some of the most unexpected sources. I kind of approach problem solving. um, It may be a a broader perspective. It's just personally, professionally, 
that's how I am. I, I want to be told if there's a different way to do things, I want to learn, I want to engage. And I think because that's the way I, that's sort of how I'm wired, that in the professional or business setting, it means I am taking on a variety of feedback that makes me stronger as a business partner, as an HR professional, but allows me to contribute back, right? When people say, oh, HR wants a seat at the table, I'm kind of like, that's your goal? Like, mm-hmm. just sitting at a table? Like, what do you do when you get there? Like, you want to in- engage. You want to have something to say, but I also want to learn something. It's a two-way conversation. It's just how I am wired. And I think if you gain confidence over time to give input and share back, you're looked at, again, as I said before, as a you're a business person who happens to specialize in human capital or people, but you're a business person first. It's... Mm. Um, if that answers your question. I think it's just, you know, it's sometimes you're wired a certain way. I, I'm naturally inquisitive. I want to learn on all sorts of topics. Um, I want to kind of hone my craft. And, you know, there are things where I feel passionate, like I can have a good impact and I'm going to know when I'm going to stand for that and not compromise. Um, and if you find yourself in the, the luxurious position of working with other people or within an organization that is also wired that way, man, you can do some really great things. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think you are answering my question. I, I think the the root of of it seems to be curiosity and just intellectual um, that 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 striving for intellectual stimulation. And where do I go learn the most? And how do I surround myself with people who are going to be curious about the business and the market and the people as well? Um, at least that's what I, one of the things I heard in your answer, and I, and I think that that's important if you're just going through the motions of did we process payroll properly does everybody have benefits to how many open recs do we have you have no you have much less strategic value to the organization than if you can be in those conversations i mean even if you think about metrics that you know have they've stood the test of time right like you know, time to fill, right? You know, people have that. There's used to it, but to a point, I'd rather think broader. I'm more sort of, what's the idea I'm selling for? I track sort of relativity, right? Like time to fill is an absolute finite number. And we're averaging 30 days, 45, whatever it may be. But relative to the rest of the openings or if other lovers are pushed up or down, like that to me is a more useful metric or view of not just what we've done but forward looking what we could predict would happen right so mm-hmm. um it's I, I tend to look at the offering that my team and, and myself can can give to an organization in probably a, a broader based way so what what now you mentioned metrics what what are those metrics that you know you you either look at to run the business or to run the the people operations team. You know, what are those key metrics that you that you zero in on? Yeah, you know, some of, of what I was just talking about, like there, you know, you we are a growing organization, so of course when you look at staffing and hiring and it's it's you know, you do need to be able to have some of those um, table stakes around how long would it take and what are we averaging key sources and all of that. But you know, I think this idea um, that still hasn't totally taken off in the market around supply and demand, or even from a diversity perspective and inclusion, like having a quota number. I was like, well, goals are great, but where did you get that? What does that mean? How likely is that to be something you could deliver on? Have you looked at the market within which 
you are working and operating and what is possible instead of somebody just serving up, here's your target. Because then it just becomes a finite, like I, I take the box, I met that, but is that really the richness of the story? Are you better for it? Is it the culture you want? Right. So it's a long winded answer to your, to your question, your simple question, but there's certainly some numerical metrics and, and those are great. Like I said, it's table stakes, but being able to not just have the data, but know what the story is and what you're striving for. Um, as we're growing a culture here alongside an organization, that's probably more meaningful when I have exchanges with my CEO, uh, more than number of recs time to fill. It's like relative to other positions and what we're seeing 12 to 18 months out, where are we going to need to slow roll? Where do we go faster? What additional investment do we need? Um, you know, the last thing I would say, I, I'm always kind of fascinated with somewhat of the, the branding aspect, right? Mm-hmm. I think a lot of HR professionals have an opportunity to learn from people like you and think like a marketer, right? And so what is that, that brand, that sort of index um, internally, externally? Um, so we track a lot and talk a lot about that. I do want to have great people. I want them here as soon as I need them. But do I have the right ambassadors for my culture, my brand, short, mid, and long term? Yeah. So, there, you know, there's so many things that you can be tracking. And it's great to see more and more tools that are out there to make it easier and more conversation amongst my peer group around uh, meaningful analytics. Um, I'm excited to see as we learn more as we go in the next five years what cool things people are going to come up with that we could track easily. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's, it's, it's exciting to... To, to be a part of that growth of analytics applied to another part of the business. Um, and, and, you know, there, there is like this amazing, op- you, we were talking about data earlier. There's this, this amazing opportunity of all this data that you can look at to say, to, and then to, and then to answer those relative questions, right? So we're getting them in at this time, but it, there are these people, these types of profiles and, how long do they stay? How, you know, what, what is their performance? How do I replicate that in, in my hiring process? You know, there, there's a ton of data like that available now that, yeah. that, that you sort of had to go on gut or not have it all just a couple of years ago. Yeah, totally. Um, okay. So let's, let's talk a little bit about um, a, a day in the life there, you know, how, uh, and what what you do on a daily basis, because I think that's going to open up some opportunities for us to talk about some specific areas of your of the business and, and your job. Hmm. How can I? <laughs> you should tell me. Every answer needs to be ten words or less. You know, I run out. I mean, a day in the life is because of the types of environments I think I've gravitated towards in my career. Um, there tends to be, you know, not too many days that are the same. Um, you're growing, you're acquiring, sometimes you're shrinking, you don't take things apart the way you put them together, right? So not every day is, is going to be sort of textbook. I, I think for me, what I've tried to, to do as much as I can, the majority of the time to structure my days, my, my weeks out where I do have, um, time to think, to kind of plan, to connect, engage. And then there's also like, you know, roll up your sleeves and and get things done Mm -hmm. depending on what's going on, you know, what sort of, uh, where we are in our roadmap, what, you know, what kind of seasonality we're hitting, that can be a variety of things. I might, you know, there may be some key roles and I'm in there recruiting, you know, I Mm -hmm. also could be helping with diligence with an acquisition. I may be, 
uh, doing offsite planning sessions and facilitating them for the senior team. Like there's, there's so many different things. And I think that's probably why I've stayed within the HR space for so long. If you want variety, there's a, a, such a large variety um, that that will use sort of left brain and right brain. And so my, my day in the life is it's, it's a bit of everything. I think where I would say, you know, where are the challenges everybody has, you know, it's, it's what I call sort of the accidental conversation. You go to get water, um, you run into somebody, it's like, Hey, how you doing? Great. And then all of a sudden it turns into this, you know, accidental conversation that's really deep and meaningful. And yeah, the brain in your head's like, I've got a lot of other stuff to do, but this is really compelling. I'm learning something I'm going to need. To me, that's a day in the life. And I feel like things are going well if people feel comfortable in those accidental moments um, to share things, these nuggets of gold. That to me is, uh, I'm ingrained, you know, that's success. I'm, I'm getting that information in the best way possible, and then we can turn that into solutions and impacts. Yeah, so you're not uh, sitting at your desk um, ordering people around and uh, and have, having other people do oh, the no. work. <laughs> no, 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 no. I have a, let's see, I'm in my office now. If you were here, what you would see is one entire wall is a whiteboard, you know, mm-hmm. sort of instead of like whiteboard wallpaper. And I've got stuff up there and, and horrible handwriting <laughs> <laughs> that uh, looks like some sort of hieroglyphics, but you know, where if you have ideas, you can capture them, you can come back to them. It's something I try and do with my team. You know, there's a lot of work that needs to be done. There's a lot of time-bound work when you're in HR. There's good things you need to keep, you know, kind of the machine oiled and engine running. But you do need to have time to be thinking ahead and as much from a personal development perspective as what other solutions are, are fresh and ahead of the curve. So we, we do have a roadmap with here are the key massive projects and milestones. But we also have what we call the idea board, those quick, quick ideas, you know, capture them on there. And it's, it's everyone on the team has access. You put your ideas up, people get pinged. There's a new one. You can comment. And those are sort of our, our sprint projects kind of in the world of agile. Be, these are the small hits. Um, they may not be big enough to go on the roadmap, but it affords people this idea of don't stifle those ideas that pop into your head because you have to run to a meeting or you have to run payroll by a certain time. It's a quick way to capture it and collaborate and and decide, you know, what do we move forward on? So it's a a different way sometimes to work from, from people I, I, I talk to in sort of my peer group, but everybody does what works for them. Yeah. So, so you do have a roadmap, you have a a, Mm -hmm. a people operations roadmap. Does that, um, how did you, how do you develop that? What goes into creating that, that roadmap? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's key. I mean, I, I have found, especially being in environments that uh, I have where there's always been just a, a common denominator of a lot of change, right? Like you can sometimes just feel, what did I do today? You know, I talked to a lot of people and, uh, you know, am I directionally correct? I'm moving forward. So a roadmap is a good anchor, I think, especially within a people ops and kind of HR space of knowing there are there are big projects, right? I think, you know, it, it, they're, they're, you know, sure, and maybe, hey, we're going to implement some new technology and systems, and that's on the roadmap, great. But you also have the day-to-day big things. There's audits. There's, you know, compliance filings. There are things that don't, you know, not everybody thinks sounds great, but balancing your roadmap with here are the key big day-to-day items 
through the course of the year. Mm-hmm. How much time do we have for these other items? But then you also do need the the smaller wins along time, and that's how we leverage our roadmap with with this idea board. But that roadmap is something you know for the team. The way we talk about it is like these are we do brainstorm sessions with with my team, and here's what our overarching themes and goals, kind of areas of focus for the year. Um, that's our kickoff. What are some ideas around that? What needs to be on the milestone? Yeah, I, I might have the final vote and say on that, but I do want my team to be thinking through, as I say, kind of life is about choices. You know, there's so many great things we can do. It's not practical. Let's look at these big milestone projects day to day, other big ones on top of that foundation, stuff, these small ideas, sprint ideas. Like it also helps me if I'm in the case of needing to make a case for more resources or investment. Here's what it is. You know, hey, CEO, hey, CFO, look at what we're doing. Look at what we're producing. Mm-hmm. Um, it helps me guide my updates back to the senior team of what we're delivering and asking myself and my team directly, like, do we, are we really impacting as much as we, we think we are? Mm-hmm. Like, let's show. You can just get so caught up in any, in any role, I think, you know, even personally, right? It's like, I feel so busy. I've done all this stuff. Sometimes those quarters or years where you're like, I, I, I work the hardest, I put in the most hours, it doesn't mean you have the best results, right? And so I think the roadmap helps me stay anchored about the choices I'm making for the, the team and for the company. So how does that roadmap then integrate with the larger company strategy? Yeah, it's it's great. I mean, there's some cascading down. Here's company strategy, and there's somewhere I'm like, this is just good medicine, so we're doing it. <laughs> so, right. um, but I think, you know, if I look at the organization on that right now, for example, I mean, we've had over the last four or five years, you know, this, this sustained sort of 20% plus growth year over year. So it's it's a, a really great story. It's a great trajectory. But you've got um, a company growing at such a fast pace. You You do have to Think not just about what new product you're going to greenlight or sunset um, to hit your revenue goals. It's around uh, is it the culture scaling or the values working? Um, yeah, sure. There's there's the the cornerstone of of benefits and are we giving and getting the right type of feedback, right? But it's there is that cascading from the overall company goals to my team's focus um, to help not just sustained growth, but sustained healthy growth. Mm-hmm. Um, the culture, the mission we have, how we present ourselves to, to clients is also mirrored internally. You know, what programming does my team need to build to ensure that happens? Um, you know, I think for forward looking for my team, biggest opportunities are um, this classic case. It's great. We're growing. Rah, rah, rah. It's great. But like, how do we make sure that there's, good development opportunities for people. And that's something where you can keep very business, very business focused and delivering to your clients. We're committed. We have to make sure we're freeing time up so that they can uh, get the learning and development they need. And, you know, we want them to grow with the company, not the company to outgrow them. So there's a lot of initiatives around um, L&D and performance feedback and culture building that you would see all over the roadmap. That's great. Sorry, I'm just I'm making some notes. Um, I, I love this conversation so much. We're just going to make this podcast last for a couple of hours. I, I hope you're okay with that. We're just just writing notes here. <laughs> really good. I've got max water and That's I'm right. all good. Um, so yeah, so let's talk. Let's talk a little bit about employees as you get into. Um, 
L and D and performance management and those sorts of things. So what, you know, what do you see as a successful employee at spins? You know, what, what, what kind of things are you looking for? What characteristics do they have? How do you measure that? That sort of thing. Yeah, I think, you know, to be successful, you know, we talk about people need to be determined and passionate, collaborative, direct. And I think, you know, direct is the value or concept that if I had to choose where we focus the most as a team and helping employees understand that it, it, it's that it's, you know, communicating with clarity and honesty and respect, but it's solution based, you know, you're oriented around solutions, whether internally or externally for clients, products you're recommending, you know, salespeople should be recommending solutions that have impact, um, not just items, right? There's so many different ways to bring it to light. But I think to be successful here, you know, it is a fast-growing market, as we've talked about a few times. And um, that can be really exciting, but it's also challenging to stay fresh on trends, It's Mm -hmm. to make sure you're understanding the complex businesses of our clients. And so you have to be wired that way to, to stay engaged and keep learning. Um, so people that are successful here and, and really thrive and enjoy um, are wired that way. And so we have to be able to deliver those opportunities too for them, raising their business acumen, leadership skills, um, you know, pro- along with the product and industry knowledge, right? Um, but it's, you know, I think there's conversations I've had here where at the start when I got here, it was, well, you know, we offer a lot of great benefits. There's a gym and there's free yoga and massages. And so well, that's, that's great. You know, it's a great wellness offering. It's like, well, people that would, that want to come to spins are like yoga enthusiasts. I'm like, is that, is that our definition? Is that's that our your brand, brand, right? Yeah. I mean, this is literally, and I was like, no, like, let's take a step back. It's right. people that are, um, all about balance, but you know, they are, um, you know, thinkers and they're striving to, to grow and better themselves and the planet. Yeah. So, so some of that, it's, it's funny because some of what you just said is, is inside a yoga enthusiast, but it's not being a yoga enthusiast. It's the things that, that you get, you know, some of the reasons that you are a yoga enthusiast, because you like the balance and you, you like to be curious and you like to understand and you like to improve and that sort of thing. Exactly. Uh, yeah. And and so as you go as you select uh, as you select employees who are who are solution based, then you you build a culture around that. So um, we haven't talked about how long you've been at Spins, but it, you know, in the grand scheme of of your career, it's been a relatively short time that you've been at Spins. How how what impact have you had on the on the culture? Have you had to you know build that from scratch? Have you had to tweak that because there was something already there? What did that? Where does the culture? How does that occupy your your day? Yeah, um, it 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 occupies like a big part of my day every day, and that's in part. You know, I've been here less than a year, so I'm about eight nine months. So that's not a very long period of time. And one of the reasons why I came though was just this idea of trying to define and build and scale the culture. I find that really um, fun and challenging work. And I think it's also married with the fact that it's a smaller organization from what I'm used to. I mean, there's roughly 300 employees and there's this added footnote of, you know, 70% of them are centralized in one location, but another 30 are sprinkled around the country, right? Mm -hmm. So how do you establish and scale culture 
can, how well can you do that um, when you don't always see people face to face, right? So there's some challenges and nuances that would make this exciting for me. And I think the, the culture, the opportunity is, especially when you're of a certain size, you have that phenomenon. Everybody knows everybody's name. And so they believe they know how people need to be managed or what they want in their careers. Um, not always true, right? But, you know, as this organization continues to grow, not everybody will know everyone. You know, the yeah. virtual population, remote workers gets bigger, right? right? So there's this opportunity to create a culture that is innovative. It's a tech organization. We want to be innovative, but the culture was not strong enough in my belief in terms of how people collaborated and did they feel comfortable and motivated to, to collaborate. So you may have personal passions, you may have um, ideas around the industry of the company, but providing a platform from a, a human capital perspective where it's encouraged to collaborate, it's encouraged to give and get feedback um, they feel like it's a safe place to do that and action is taken, that they have options they can talk about in terms of career pathing and, and what we think they need to learn. And it's not just tick the box, you know, mm-hmm. you, you took sort of Excel 101, right? A big part of exposing people to things that are might, might be different than what they've seen before. Um, to us, that's diversity, you know, eclectic viewpoints, all sorts of backgrounds and and, uh, you know, experiences, if we share that in a comfortable way, we're all learning something and we're producing better work and we're happier, more engaged employees, right? Yeah. So that, that to me is the cornerstone of the culture and what we continue to, to reinforce and promote and, um, you know, to invest in. So define collaboration for me. I, I, I The reason I ask is I was, I, I was at a company once in my career that you know, said that they, they prized collaboration, but really what that meant was you couldn't make your own decision, right? It was, it was basically like, you can make whatever decision you want, as long as you've, as long as you've run it through this group of people, which to me isn't, isn't collaboration, but I'm interested because I I could guarantee you don't see it that way either. What, what, how do you define collaboration? Yeah, I think, you know, I think your point, what I hear you saying is like, you know, you could say you're that, but yeah, you know, it doesn't make it true, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and just spouting off ideas and brainstorming, if they're really not listened to, doesn't make anybody feel like it was worth their time. So, you know, I think what we're trying to build here is an idea, you know, key components of um, not just saying, but let's really do it, right? Leave your egos at the door. Like, you have to agree to disagree. You know, these <laughs> are the ground rules coming in that you have to be okay with the fact that you know, the outcome might be greater than each individual's contribution or idea. And that's hard to do. And that means sometimes we have to agree to disagree. But it can be really powerful um, if you can get a group of people together who can do that. It's not for everybody, right? And so I think, you know, sometimes you'll have businesses that will do hackathons and all sorts of great things. Come and collaborate. Give your idea. But it doesn't work in every organization if people feel like, you know, I take a day out of my life to do that, and then we don't really, you know, green light any of these, right? So I right. think we we try and make sure that from the CEO throughout the organization, uh, we're finding ways to bring those ideas forward. If we're not green lighting them, we're explaining the why, and we're kind of, you know, we're making that a very individual conversation. 
because I think for collaboration to work, A, you have to get people into the mindset of sharing their ideas, having the ideas, being comfortable sharing them, and then showing, um, you know, I asked for them and this is what I did with it. It's That's that's sort of the three-step recipe of what I've seen work and what we're trying to do here. That's not just lip service. Right. Great. Thank you. Um, okay. I, sh- I want to shift gears a little bit. I've got a couple of more specific questions that culture can be pretty wide ranging. So um, talk a little bit about, about changes in HR in your career. I mean, obviously we've touched on a few of those here, but just when you think back about your career in human capital, like what's the biggest change you've, you've seen experienced in, in that time? Oh boy. I, you know, a lot of changes, which I think is a a good thing. I I do feel like, um, not to oversimplify, but just the ability to leverage technology Mm -hmm. has been such a defining, um, evolution. It certainly gives you efficiencies and gives you time. Um, but it, it gives you insight and data and analytics, but that time also, you know, a lot of times people will say to me, so disappointed I bought this tool, the system, and it's not done what the salesperson told me to do. Like technology on its own doesn't just fix something, but right. it can free up time, right? But it, it affords you a way to work differently or to to then invest back. You know, you can't technology can't remove the human element. You, there's still that connection that's needed in, in every organization. But technology I think has been very defining for a lot of parts of business, but the HR space probably been the least comfortable mm-hmm. for, for people to how many stories do you hear about oh I bought this tool and then you know the vendor comes back I can see you haven't logged in you know it's right because it's like oh I'm gonna it's gonna fix it but so it can be really powerful I think what I also see that's different and we still have kind of my personal mission I still think we've got room to go I think HR people who think like marketers who think like CFOs who who kind of vet their ideas and opinions, you know, before they, they go public with it, you know, Uh they can really hold their own in a good business debate. And I think that's something I've seen change over time and will continue to evolve. But there's a lot of exciting developments. I think that, you know, to me, that's one of the key, I mean, you've touched on two big themes, right? Technology and, and uh, obviously human capital leaders who, think about the business and, and think like a CEO or think like another, uh, another executive in the business. One of the reasons why I always give the, give the book to, to people who join the company, you know, what the CEO wants you to know. So it's like, there are these really fundamental things that you should just know that this is the way other people are thinking about the business. So that can be very powerful. Yeah. Exactly, and, and certainly in, in a discipline where um, that may not be the immediate expectation of everybody, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so let's talk a little bit about mentors and mentorship. So, it, have you have you had a mentor in your career, and if so, uh, what what was that relationship like, and and what did you take away from that relationship? Oh gosh, I you know I think they're. Um, there are a couple of people kind of through through the years that probably acted as a mentor. I don't know that I have one person who's been sort of my go-to throughout. I, I think, you know, when I started out earlier in my career, I, I was part of a consulting division, HR consulting division under 
kind of the arm of a, a you know tax and audit firm. You know, back in the models of of uh, Anderson Consulting and and all of those, but uh, and it was required. You know, it was one of the onboarding steps. You are required to pick a mentor. Like nothing <laughs> like pressure when you're like starting out and you have to ask somebody to be your mentor. But people, I still remember it. A lot of the partners of that firm, they're like, this is strange. You're in the HR consulting division. And the right. person I picked was a partner in the tax group. And it was just something different. I wanted a different perspective. You know, what, what could I learn from him? I probably would not have had any other interaction with him uh, if I hadn't done that. And, you know, the first few years of my career, I think that was really helpful to kind of you know, a different version of the book title you're talking about, right? right. It's like, what is that broader world and what has he learned? And it wasn't just HR specific. So that was good. And I think another person that um, for a longer period of my career was a go-to is actually somebody I started off uh, working for her. And then, you know, many, many, many roles later, still in touch. And the thing that I learned from her, she was just so balanced. Like there's, she was juggling so many things. She was a, a business owner. She was building. Every time I came to see with her, she made me feel like I was the only thing going. Like yeah. everything was put to the side. She was completely focused. She was open with feedback. She was thoughtful. She never seemed rushed. So it wasn't that there was a particular subject matter or topic, but just this idea of ultimate mentor of like safe place, whatever you need, you're going to get a thoughtful bit of feedback. And as I reflect over my career on, on this, this woman, I was like, man, I need to try and do that, you know, and you have people come by your office or even personally, you know, and they have something, they need something and you're like, oh my gosh, I have so many things to do or I'm running for a plane or whatever. But if you can just stop and take a breath and connect, um, that's what they remember. And so she, she taught me a lot of great lessons early on. Yeah, that is really, really important. Um, thank you for sharing that. Sure. So let's talk a little bit about advice. I'm, I'm sure that you, you love to give <laughs> okay. advice. Everybody loves giving advice, but you know, one of the, one of the final questions I'll ask you here is just what, what advice would you give to people who are starting their careers? Oh yeah. I mean, regardless of what field you're starting in, mm-hmm. regardless, you know, for me, it's, um, you know, it's probably similar to, to what I did. So that feels like an easy, cheap cop out answer, but <laughs> you know, learn, you know, it, it you know, look, there's 168 hours in a week. You know, if you have a, a full-time job, it's a big portion of that you had in your commute, sleeping, like you can start to feel stretched really quickly and you want to enjoy what you're doing. And I think it's hard for a lot of people to know what that is, what gives them joy the majority of time. And I think the best way to figure that out is to just be open to ideas, to learn, to volunteer, whether it's for projects that are in a different, you know, group within work, whether that's volunteering outside of work, all of those experiences collectively give you, give you what is, you know, we refer to as my gut, my gut says this, Mm -hmm. my gut says that when you are taking on all those experiences and learning from other people and kind of figuring out what you believe to be true, that's, that's where you find sort of the jobs at the companies, the environments that you really enjoy for that big part of the 168 hours a week that we, we focus on work. Um, you know, I think that more, more people I talk to are entering 
the workforce now um, are more wired for that. But um, there's also the expectation, you know, success is I got promoted in six months or I make a certain amount of money. It's like, you know, that, that runs its course pretty quickly uh, when you have to work for decades and decades and decades, right? And so being open to those other experiences and throwing yourself into what I call being sort of appropriately frustrated, like you're stretched, you're out of your element, yeah. you, you just get a better idea of how you're wired and, and what you want to do. Yeah, that, that learning uh, is, is something that I, uh, I I personally have gotten from you just in our in our previous conversations and the, imp- the importance of doing that. It's some of the best some of the best times I've had working with you are really around that when I, when I realized that's what was going on and um, that's just incredibly <laughs> important. And it's just incredibly important. Right. And it's really, it's really yeah, when fun the big to do. reveal happens. It's, we figured out what the master plan was. That's right. That's right. Well, Rosemary, thank you for, uh, for the time and thank you for, for having us uh, learn a little bit about you and about spins and about the way you approach your, your, your job and your career and your life. I really appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. Yeah, my pleasure. Anytime, Jason. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Talent Playbook podcast with our guest, Rosemary Hefner. If you want to learn more about Rosemary, start at LinkedIn for her professional bio. You can learn more about spins at spins.com, S-P-I-N-S.com. And you can follow Rosemary on Twitter at Hefner underscore R. So H-A-E-F-N-E-R underscore R. You can subscribe and download this podcast on iTunes, Google Play Music, iHeartRadio, Spotify, YouTube, and Outmatch.com. Thank you to Rosemary for her time. It was really great uh, getting to talk to her, and I hope you enjoyed our conversation. Thanks also to Charles Summers and Chris Gardner at Outmatch for the technical assistance, and our theme music was composed by Chris Gardner. Until next time, this is Jason Ferrara saying thanks for listening. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.